Everything Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leaves Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza as always. Nick, coming off a big Toronto loss on Sunday night, there was an early goalie pull and they couldn't overcome it. What did you think of that Marley's game? <laughs> I was going to say, you said big loss, like you were so excited about it. I was going to say, this, there had to be a twist somewhere there. Uh, well, yeah. they almost pulled off the comeback, unlike the Leafs. Well, they, they, they went to overtime at least. So, they, I mean, can't blame them. They did. It was it was a better effort. Well, actually, they were worse than the Leafs for most of the night. But um, we got a decent amount to talk about today. It's Tuesday night. Uh, Dubas did a press conference today, and we have a, a few losses to talk about. So I guess, I guess let's just get started with, you know, last when we last recorded, it was a bit of a mixed bag. They had swept the Oilers and then lost the Vancouver games. Not a great week this week. Obviously, they ran into some good goaltending, but what are just your key takeaways, your key storylines from, from this past week? Well, I mean, obviously, it's a little bit of a different feeling from last week. Obviously, they, they had that big sweep against Edmonton, and it looked like they were almost invincible. Uh, since then, they've lost a bunch of games, and I think we're seeing a bunch of narratives about this team right now um, that are kind of, you know... the there's a bunch of different narratives as to why they're losing, but you know, on the bright side, I think one, and I'm, I'm going to kind of split up their last five games. So they had the game against uh, the Canucks. So I'm not talking about the back-to-back, but they played against the Canucks. They lost 4-2. Then they lost um, against the Jets 4-3. They had that win against the Jets right after that uh, in the mm-hmm. 4-3 game. Then they lost against the Jets 5-2, and then the 4-3 loss against the Senators just the other night. So I'm actually going to break it up between those first three games and the last two games. Because the first three games in that five-game set, the Leafs played really well. Uh, they got goalie. Demko was really good again on the in the game where they lost 4-2. Where they lost 4-2. Uh, then Hellebuck was also really good. So, like, they played really good in those three games. I thought that they just got goalie. They got some bad luck. Um, I thought they were executing five at five on five, and and I'm going to get to the power play in a second. Now, in the last two games, I didn't think the Leafs played very well. They Obviously, in the, the Senators game, they had a rough start with Hutchison letting in that first two goals. And anytime you whether you're playing the Senators or whether you're playing the Lightning, if you let in the first like two of the first three shots in the first five minutes, you're going to have a tough time coming back in that game. So, um, but in the last two games, I just thought that at five on five, the Leafs look a little bit choppy. I thought the defense had a tough time transporting the puck up the ice and it led to some pretty big turnovers that the Jets in particular really took advantage of. So I think that sometimes when you do have these games, when you get goalied, you know, obviously momentum is a thing. And, and I thought that the Leafs last two games were, you know, these losses kind of got to them a little bit, but there are some things I want to kind of talk about as to the reason why they've been losing these games like one the first 20-ish games when they were playing really well Austin Matthews was scoring a ton of goals and the Leafs shooting percentage in the last five games has gone down quite a bit especially at even strength and like Matthews only has one wrist right now so I think they're really missing kind of Matthews dominating like he was early in the season and the other thing is the power play which Matthews also ties into that as well Matthews is pretty much playing in the in the slot or if he's playing uh, in front of the net. So, like, the power play had, I think it was 25 goals in their first 24 games. 
Um, and in their last five games, they've only scored one. So the power play has been a little bit cold. They're not getting the shooting luck. Matthews is injured, and they're also getting some bad shooting percentage in general and some bad goaltending. So um, is that what you're seeing there, Kevin? Or do you, you know, there's a bunch of other reasons, but I think those are the kind of the main ones in my opinion. Yeah, so uh, a lot there. I think with, I, I think the big thing for me is like what Duba said today at the press conference was, you know, I think our overall record is pretty a pretty good indication of how we're playing. It's a pretty fair assessment, and I would agree with that. I think, you know, before this stretch of games, they were probably a little bit better than you'd expect. Um, like I, I think, you know, they're not going to live up to you know the record that they had. But as of late, you know, losing five of six, it's it's not indicative indicative of how they're playing. Um, you know, Hellebuck was great. Uh, Hutchison was particularly bad. I still think Anderson's taking a little bit too much heat. We'll get to him in a sec. Yeah, but definitely. he hasn't been he hasn't been great. Let's put it that way. Um, it's not like he's he's been his old self either. Um, but yeah, I, I just think you know it, it's just it it was too good to be true for a while. And they've ran into some bad luck here, so they do need to be better. I think there's there's certainly area to improve. Um, but let's I guess let's turn to what's been going well lately. For me, that's uh, that second line in particular, Nylander and Tavares, that duo. Nylander's been their best forward over the last nine games. I believe he had six goals in five games, um, and then he was their best player in the Vancouver games, even though he didn't score. So he's just been on a tear. Uh, Tavares obviously had that really nice assist to Nylander. Um, obviously I think we could put Hyman in that conversation as well because, you know, he's mm. always been consistent, but to me, that's kind of been the biggest, the biggest bright spot of the last week or so. Yeah. Those two, to me, uh, Hyman and Nylander have been the best, the best two players on the team, uh, in the last five games. I don't think there's a doubt about that. Yeah. Okay. I think we're in agreement there and it's, it's a good sign because we know, you know, I thought Matthew's wrist actually looked better in that in that Ottawa game. Yeah. Um, he's definitely shooting. He was shooting more wrist shots from like outside those danger areas, like from further out. But I mean, it's still not to what he's used to, but I definitely saw him shoot more than those first four games in that five game set. Yeah. So I think I have confidence that, you know, the Matthews Marner duo will, will turn it around. Marner's playing fine, but like they were on a tear at the start of the season. So you know, if the Tavares-Nylander duo continues to play this well, the, the Leafs are going to be in good shape. Um, yeah, the other thing I had under what's going well is just, you know, they're outplaying their opponents big time most nights. Uh, they were a little bit power play heavy at the start of the year, but against Winnipeg, other than that third game, they were definitely outplaying them heavily in those first two. And I thought they outplayed Vancouver as well. Um, you know, the first one was back-to-back, maybe not so much, but... Uh, that second game they were outplaying them. So I, I do think they're playing fine. I think, you know, there's been some, maybe like the, the defense hasn't been as good as they were at the start of the year, though that's a tough ask. Um, I, I, I just, I have a lot of confidence in them turning around. Um, under not, what's not going well, Nick, I put Matthew's wrist was kind of my first one because he's such a big part of the team. Right. This, this, I know goaltending, we'll get to goaltending in a sec. I think the other one, and we are going to talk... I mean, we did ask for questions. We are going to have some trade deadline questions a little bit later on. But um, one thing I wanted to mention was just Thornton's fit. Because I know there was that article people were kind of making fun of. But I do think there's something there where, where it's, we don't know what he is. And I, I've mentioned this on previous pods. And, you know, you look at the start of the year and he was kind of off to that amazing start, unsustainable start when he got hurt. 
And, you know, he's no longer with the Matthews-Marner duo. We're getting to see him with Tavares Nylander. But I, I do think that we've kind of seen a stretch here where he hasn't been as good. And, and at this point, I don't really know where I want him in the lineup. Um, I don't want him with Tavares Nylander. I, I don't like the fit. Um, I'm not too strong about this, but, like, if, if the playoffs started tomorrow, I would not want those three together. Um, I know it feels like the success they're having at 5-on-5 five five right now is really driven from Nylander's play. Um, it's just an odd fit for me because, you know, when we saw Kerfoot with Tavares and Nylander, I thought that was a pretty, that was a good trio there. I thought Kerfoot really helps in transition and that team's, that, that line, sorry, is really, you know, kind of spending a lot of time in the offensive zone. But with Thornton, I just find it, it's a different feel to it because I feel like Nylander, Tavares, and Thornton all play at different speeds. Um, and when we saw Thornton with, Matthews and Marner I think Marner's so good at slowing the game down and Matthews you know he's become so good along the boards that they have a really nice cycle uh that they can all play together and you know we've only seen this this Thornton Tavares Nylander line for a few games so um maybe they don't have as much chemistry but I, I just think it's kind of an awkward line um but again it's not a really big concern because Keith's going to be switching up the lines, and, and it seems like he, he just put that trio together so that he could put Hyman uh, with Matthews and Marner or something that we know works. Yeah, I don't mind him there yet. I mean, I haven't really gotten enough to, to kind of judge it. I do think that, you know, he's a good playmaker that can, you know, set up two good goal scorers in Tavares and Nylander, and I do, I do think he plays at Tavares' pace because Tavares isn't a great skater. Uh, I don't know if I want to see that come playoff time. Um, we're going to talk about potential upgrades at the deadline, which you know I, I'm looking for, and I think that factors in. Um, I guess if this was their lineup, or where do you see Thornton, I guess, come playoff time? Like They might get someone. To me, I don't know if he's a great fit on the third line, if they're going to go a checking line. Um, I might even have him on the fourth line, whether that's at center or wing, and someone that can kind of go into the top six if, if there's an injury or if you want to make a change. Uh, but I, I do think you're in a pretty good spot if he's on your fourth line. I know I said this a few weeks ago. I don't think it was the last podcast. I think it was the one before, but I want to see him. I, I think I'm convinced about the Matthews-Marner-Thornton line. Um, I like that line together. I think that they all they, they had a lot of chemistry and they had a lot of success that I'm kind of bought with that. Now, in saying that, Keith's done a really good job, and I've said this like a hundred times, Like Keith's done a really good job of putting Hyman with Matthews and Marner um kind of sprinkling in some shifts here and there so come playoff time like if you know even if the Leafs do get a top six forward like I do think Thornton with Matthews and Marner is the way to go and then giving Hyman or whoever that new left winger is some extra ice time playing with Matthews and Marner as well maybe some defensive zone starts or um minutes when you're up uh in the game late I don't know I still feel like that success was more driven by Matthews Marner I wouldn't mind oh, 100%, it. which is fine, like, but, you know. It, I wouldn't mind getting another look at it, but for now, I kind of want to get a look at Tavares Nylander with Thornton, see how that goes. Um, you can always go back to it. I think my preference is still, and I tweeted this out this, out this morning, like the Leafs have five legitimate top six forwards. I think they only have five. Like there's a couple guys, Kerfoot, Thornton, where you can squint and say, okay, maybe they're a top six forward. Um, but for me, they have five. And when they put three legitimate top six forwards together, the line tends to be quite good. So for me, that's a recipe for success. So you get, you know, Hyman with with Matthews, 
Marner, and then you get, you know, someone you acquire with Tavares and Elander. Um, depending, like, if Thornton's playing really well and looks like he did at the start of this season, and, and if that happens in the next few games, maybe he does stay in the top six and the guy you acquire drives the third line or you put Hyman to that third line as a, as a luxury. But for me, um, I do want one more top six forward. I want six. Uh, we'll get to the deadline in a, in a little bit here, but um, I, I, I guess I'm still in experimentation mode with him, with Thornton, but I'm not ruling him out on the fourth line because I think, I don't know if I'm in love with him in the top six. He's been, he started off really well with Matthews Marner. You know, we'll see. He'll have an opportunity for sure. Um, but, but just the way the ice time is allocated, and, and I, I know they get him extra shifts, but I, I just think Hyman's probably better there. That's that's kind of where I'm at. But I, it's it's a little bit early for me to tell because he is new and he was hurt for a while. Yeah, I think with, with Thornton playing in that bottom six, I just don't think they've experimented with it enough. Now, come playoff time, if they give him a shot there in that you know third line or fourth line and it works out with some sort of combination there, I'm definitely open to it, um, especially if they acquire another top six forward. But I think for now, like this is kind of the scenario if the playoff started tomorrow. I'd be fine yeah. with Thornton, Matthews, Marner. Um, but just because they haven't really experimented with him, you know, in that third and fourth line yet. We just haven't really seen it at all. And I think also, like, Thornton, Matthews, and Marner together right now is when, when Matthews is shooting at, like, he's pretty much a shell of himself right now. Like, he's shooting maybe, mm-hmm. you know, 80% less shots than usual. Like, you know, they can't put that trio together. Like, none of them will shoot. Marner would be the biggest shooter on the team on the line. Yeah, so I do think <laughs> once he's back healthy, it, it does change the, the the line drastically. Um, like if they go out and get a Forsberg or a Hall, all of a sudden, like the equation changes quite a bit in terms of lines. And I think, like I get the point. For me, Hyman's a top six winger. So if you put him on the third line, if you put any top six winger in the third line, normally it makes it a pretty good third line. So yeah, you could do it. I think it's a bit of a luxury. We kind of know what Hyman does. Like he always plays well. He wins the extra battles. Um, you know he's going to give his line mates extra extra scoring chances and offensive zone time because of the battles he wins. For me, I want to get every extra chance to Matthews rather than say Engvall or Mikhaev, just because he's such a so much better as a finisher. Um, it also makes the ice time a little bit easier. Um, although I know they give him extra shifts, but I, I just we'll see. I guess it depends on who they acquire. Uh, we haven't seen Thornton much anywhere. Like I think he's played what, like twenty games now, tops. Um, and th- and then you know if he's on your fourth line, like he's gonna play. So if he's on your fourth line, that's a that's a pretty nice luxury uh, to have because you know future Hall of Famer on your fourth line. I know he's older, but he can still pass. Uh, he's a really good playmaker. Um, I do think you know he can win faceoffs if you needed him to. Uh, so either whether he's at center or on the wing, I think that's just you know a good luxury to have. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought up Hyman. Like, you know how you said that we know what he does well. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the things that you just said, I agree with. But his list of things that he does well just continues to grow every single year. And he plays on that hem line, and we see him like even his ability to gain the zone with control. Um, I used to make jokes before when, when he does that little soft dump into the corner and goes into a one-on-one battle. I used to make a joke saying that that's a controlled zone entry in my in my books. He wins the battle every single time, and the Leafs get possession. But now, 
he's actually doing the more traditional zone entries where he's literally carrying the puck in and backing up defenders, like the opposing defenders. And that goal last week where he went backhand shelf, like it's just amazing how some players just continue to grow as they get older and they just forget about the age curves. Like they just throw that back in your face. And Hyman's one of those guys. Yeah, I think he's good enough too where if he's... Like it's gonna be tough for me to justify keeping at him, keeping him out of the top six, unless the top six both lines are just rolling. Like, if if either of those lines is struggling, I kind of want Hyman there to be the fixer. Uh, I know it wasn't great when he was with Tavares Nylander this year, but I do have confidence that would work well in the long term. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see what the what the playoff, what, what who they acquire. Um, it does sound like they're looking at a forward. Um, and then I guess we'll see you and go from there. But for me, like, it's similar to putting Nylander on the third line for me, where it's like, yeah, I know the third line's good now, but I don't know if he, if, if that's best for the team, if that makes sense. Um, right. I, I do think they're, like, they're, they're playing fine recently, but let's get into the big one, which is the goaltending. Um, there's a lot of frustration about Frederick Anderson right now for a few reasons. So I th- I believe he's at a 900 save percentage. He was at an 899 uh save percentage i think before the ottawa game which it starts with an eight i know it's 0.001 below 900 but it was a it was i think causing a lot of frustration and for good reason um i i I think we can safely say he's not in that vasilevsky rask conversation right now i do think he's playing better than his save percentage indicates um so i i think if you look at his numbers he's actually a pretty good five on five goalie uh, this season, and then his he's had pretty bad luck at the, on the power play um, and at, at situations like 3-on-3, three 4-on-4. Three, four four. Like, just bad bounces, tips. Uh, I know you, you say, like, you need to save eventually, but, you know, there has been a lot of bad luck. I do think he's better than his save percentage indicates. Now, let's say... So he's a 900 now. Let's say I think he's a 909, which which what he was last year. Like, I'll say that's indicative of his play. That's still not really good enough. So I do think that you're looking for more. Um, I, I just think, you know, right now, you look at the what goalies are available. Unless you want Bernier, there's really not anyone. Olmark's hurt. Ranta just got hurt. Uh, Darcy Kemper's hurt. Um, and I just think you got to be pretty confident to to make the move. I think they're if they trade Anderson, I think it's going to be a last-minute deadline move, and it, it, he'd have to go another month playing you know not well for this at this point i I do think that he's the likely he's likely going to be on the roster come playoff time okay so with anderson he's 100 percent at five on five he's been better than and he's also allowed some five on three goals um on the penalty kill that's kind of brought down his overall save percentage so yeah i agree with that that he's he's better than what his overall save percentage is um but and i do agree that i don't think they're going to make a trade this year for another goalie if anything campbell somehow unless something drastic happens like anderson's going to be the goalie in game one um in the playoffs um unless an injury happens or unless he really really plays badly and campbell's just a lot better than him down the stretch um but i think that also feeds into why people are afraid right now because like for me personally, like the fact that Anderson is the guy this year in an all-in year, that's what kind of 
makes his play right now a little bit more frightening. Like like you said, even if he raises it up to 909, I don't know if that's good enough for a Stanley Cup winning team. It's probably not in four rounds. Um, he's about a even at even strength right now. I would say even according to save percentage, I think he's 25th or 23rd um, amongst goalies that have at least played like five games. Um, his high danger chance, like save percentage, isn't that great. So I think for now, like you look at Anderson and you think to yourself, like, is this the goalie that? had all those years where he was like a 9.15, 9.16? Or is he the goalie that was last year at a 9.09? And like this year has just been kind of a continuation of how he played last year. So I, I think that it's kind of tough to look at, you know, those past years where he was 9.15, 9.16. Like the last year that he was at 9.15, 9.16 was the same year that Alex Galchenyuk had 41 points in 71 games. So things change, especially when you're a goalie and you've had a big injury like Anderson has. So I think all of that feeds into why this fan base right now is a little bit kind of edgy when it comes to Anderson. He's in a contract year and like, you know, right now Campbell's hurt. He's not healthy. And after that, it's Hutchinson. So I completely understand why this fan base is on edge with with Anderson right now, because I don't think he's good enough for a team that's all in. Yeah, I think you should always be on edge with your goalie, uh, especially in, unless they're playing stellar hockey, just because it's the most important position. And really, you're going to live in, and die by goaltending come playoff time. If, if your goalie struggles, it's really tough to win a series. Uh, I do think, you know, we know he's had struggles in the past in the playoffs. I think if the Leafs were very concerned about that, they wouldn't have brought him back this year. I think they would have made a change in the offseason. Um Dubas has made his worst trade was really based on on playoff track record. Uh, they didn't think they could trust Kadri in the playoffs, so they moved him, and that backfired. So I think that's a bit of a the risk you take. I do think we saw this with the Sparks McElhinney thing, where <laughs> if Dubas had traded Anderson this offseason, and let's say he gets I don't know Ranta, let's say he gets anti Ranta this offseason, like this past offseason. Like, if Ranta was playing, if Ranta had a 900 save percentage and Anderson looked back to his old self, you know, people would be calling for Dubas's job right now. So I thought that was, like, that would have been very risky for Dubas uh, in the offseason. I do understand the decision to bring Anderson back. Um, I do agree that I think Anderson's likely to be the game one starter at this point, unless Campbell's playing amazing, which, who knows, maybe he does. But if I'm looking at this team... You know, I do think there's a possibility for change. And I, I think if it happens, it's going to be close to the deadline. I don't think that's going to be their first move. I think they're going to, you know, give Anderson another at least two, three weeks to see if he, you know, how he's playing. If he really struggles over the next two, three weeks, I think they might revisit it. And at that point, you know, Olmark in, in Buffalo might be healthy. Kemper might be healthy by that point. Um, you might have some options on the on the goalie carousel if you if you will um i don't think like for me bernier is not really giving you the answer um you know i don't know if he's really going to be the the stanley cup winning goalie that would go all around here i think anderson just has more potential than bernier if that makes sense like i think and if we know that if anderson is at his best he can be one of the better goalies in the nhl i don't know if we can say the same about bernier um yeah i i don't i don't see them making a move um, at the deadline for a goalie I even if Anderson plays pretty badly over the next two three weeks I think 
there's a higher chance um, that Campbell just is kind of given the the net uh, before they make a trade. I, it's I just think it's a weird it's kind of a weird season to make that, and then the fact that you're all in plus the quarantine, you're only get, that new goalie is only going to get you know a couple of weeks with the team before the playoffs. It's that's that's one you know heck of a roll of the dice, but um, I'd be pretty surprised. I mean, I, w- I won't rule it out. Uh, completely because you know you never want to rule anything out 100 percent. but uh, i'd be really surprised if that happened yeah and even some of the goalies that you like maybe think about like i think uh georgiev on on the rangers has a worse save percentage this year than frederick anderson and then i believe john gibson does as well so you know you trade for a guy and, and it yeah gibson has an 894 so you know i don't know if there's many guys and in general Good goalies are on good teams because it's the most, you know, it's the most valuable position. So it's just going to be so tough to get a legitimate number one. Um, I think they're going to give Anderson every opportunity to, you know, show what he can be. And then maybe at the last minute, if it's really going bad, they make a move. Right now, I'm, I'm you know, unless it's unless he's playing horribly for the next three weeks, I, I don't think that's happening. But I think, you know, the wheel going around with, like, the excuse wheel is a little bit weird, probably overblown. Um, you know, I think some goals, I get annoyed when it's like, you know, I think sometimes we have to look past save percentage in a one-game sample. Like, sometimes there's just nice goals or tips. Um, it, it seems like there's no different. Like, if, if Anderson lets in three goals, it's treated the same, whether it's, you know, two goals like Hutchison let in the other night, or if it's, you know, three goals he had no chance at. I thought he played really well when the Leafs beat Winnipeg, even though he let in three goals and the save percentage wasn't great. Like, Hellebuck was great in that game, and his save percentage was under 900. So it's not the best sample, and it's not the best indicator in a small sample. I think that sometimes we got to, you know, take a deep breath, ask ourselves, okay, would Vasilevsky have this one? Some of them, yes. And, you know, at some point you do want him to make some big saves. I thought he did against Ottawa. Um but, you know, it, it's we'll see over these next three weeks. I don't think they're making a move in the next week for a goalie specifically. No, but we are, we are like, when it comes to Anderson for me, I'm, I'm going to defend the the people who have been giving Anderson a tough time because I think we're past the deep breaths. And especially when, I, I completely see your point of view. I completely see it. But, like, he's in his contract year. It's not his first year with the Leafs. The Leafs have been hurt by Anderson's playoff performances in the past. Like, even dating back to the Washington series, I can think of a number of soft goals that squeak by him or whatever in important games. Um, and I think when it comes to the last few games, even like the tip goals, people are getting really upset about it. And to to a certain extent, if you look at the goal in a vacuum, 100%, you can say it's a tough stop. I mean, it's getting deflected once. One of the goals got deflected twice. I 100% understand, but when you see Alibuck on the other side, you know, making these, like, acrobatic saves and stuff like that, like, I definitely get why people get upset when, you know, the first tip that goes on to the other end uh, is behind Anderson. Yeah, I think most of the complaining was because of Alibuck and not Anderson yeah, exactly. or Demko. Uh, <laughs> seeing the other goalies stand on their heads frustrating, and I think, you know, people took that took that out on Freddie, even though he's the one guy not shooting at the goalie. But, you know, he, he does need to be a little bit better for sure. As I said, I, I do think he's better than a 900 save percentage. I think, you know, I might even give him 910, like slightly below where you want. But he needs to be, you know, even better. I want him 915 plus. 
Um, but again, I, I, I think most of it's complained for the sake of complaining at this point because I don't think, you know, I'm not seeing many suggestions for goalies on my timeline. Like, I don't see people doing cartwheels for, for Jonathan Bernier. Um, you know, I don't think that's less. I don't know if people want to trade, though. I don't know if people want to trade. I, I think that they want, like, they. I think a lot of people, anyways, on my timeline that are complaining about Anderson, like, I don't think they want them to get traded. I think that it's, it's, they know Anderson's the best guy and they want him to be better. And if he's not better, they have Campbell there. Obviously, they can't, you know, be tweeting at Keefe to put him in right now because he's injured. Um, but I think that's the road that they want. They either want Anderson to get better because he has to be if they want to go far. Or they want Campbell in. I, I don't. I don't personally see anyone really asking for a trade or expecting a trade. Um, yeah, but... your uh, your mentions are different than my mentions, <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, for the I most know. part, most people most people are, are saying, okay, let's stick with him for a few weeks, and then you know, if it's really bad, we'll make a move. Um, even if it's like an old mark who's a bit of an unknown, but it has to be pretty bad, I think, if they're gonna do that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Like I said, I'd be surprised, but um, you know. Hopefully, Freddie figures it out before that and, and starts raising up a save percentage and, you know, isn't the second best goalie in game, so we don't need to talk about a trade uh, with a goalie for this year. Yeah, okay. Um, we have a bunch of questions to get yeah, to. Yeah, I was just looking at it, too. Right, so, let's get into the... I want to talk about the press conference quick, and then we'll get into the, the questions. So, the press conference today, I was listening to it on the radio. Uh, not... Not nothing really too surprising. I said off the top, Dubis said the record. He thinks the record's pretty indicative of their play. I would agree with him. Um, it sounds like forward is the most likely ask, and there's a lot of people who want a defenseman right now. I know the the Steve Dangle podcast has kind of been pushing Ekholm, um, and I just don't get the fit. Like I, I you know, I I like those guys uh, to be clear, um, but I, I understand why they want Ekholm because he's such a good player, and I. I'm in on Ekholm if, you know, the deal's right, because I think he's just such a good player that you have to you have to make the call, you have to see what the price is. I would pay the Muzzin price to do it. I just feel like every team in the league wants Ekholm, and they don't really have a spot for him. I think they plan on playing Bogosian. Um, that was a big part of the Lettinen trade. And I think they, they plan on, on playing Dermot, and I think that pairing's been good this year. Um, and I think the bigger need right now is that, is that forward. I don't really see... I, I can get why they'd want a depth defenseman, and that's, you know, they traded Letton in. Like, if a Matt Benning's available who makes a million, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think what they're going to do is they're going to make their trade for a forward, see how much cap space they have, and then your last move is to get a depth defenseman. I think they like Sandine. Lilligren's playing very well. Dubas said that in his, in his press conference, and he's 100% right. Um, I think Marinson is fine in a pinch. I know people will get mad at me for that. And then Rosen is, is okay if, if you really needed him to. Like, I just don't know who you're getting that's going to be much better than, I guess, a Sandine or a Lilligren because um, I do think pretty highly of those two. Uh, so do I. I think my perspective on everything kind of changed when Lettening got traded. Um, I don't think he's, you know, some star defenseman or, or whatever, but I do think that he is an NHL um, defenseman. Um, I think he's better than their other options other than maybe Sandine, uh, who's injured right now, which um, I was listening to sports radio today and they were saying that that injury might be a little bit worse than we think in terms of his foot. Um, so we'll see. I don't even know if he's going to be ready for this year. I, I haven't personally seen a timeline for it. Um, but after hearing that today, I thought I got a little scared. But I think that 
they need to make a defense uh, a move for a depth defenseman at least because you know when we're talking about the Leafs forwards I do think that they need you know maybe a sixth or seventh forward um like a top six third line-ish forward because there's so many options right now so and, and you want to just you know have the best possible team but when I look at their forwards and you look at the depth like if let's say even Tavares gets injured I think they have enough guys that are NHL ready no it's on the t- not for top six no, no 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 wait let me finish let me finish not for top six I agree that they have five top six forwards, but when we're talking about NHL filling out the bottom six, they have way more NHL-ready guys that have played in the NHL than they do on defense. That's You can't argue with that. They have Nick Patan playing. Nick Patan's playing in the AHL. I think Sandin's, Sandin's just not, as good as Patan. He's not healthy. He will be. I think Lilligren's just as good as Patan. Lilligren's been their best player. I think... But, okay, Sandin's not in it right now. He's he's injured. He he's going to be back. Dubis mentioned him in the in the press conference. I don't know, but regardless, Sandine's hardly played this year. He's... So, what's your one priority right now? If you got to pick the number, forward or the D? number one, oh, if you have to pick either or, yes. Do you want a forward that's going to play, or do you want a defenseman that's going to be a backup? Uh, because of how many options, it's going to be the top six forward. Like if if the it choice has to is be. between if the choice is if the choice is I'm talking about them in a vacuum though, but um, if the choices are between like getting let's say even a, even hall as a rental or benning yeah you're gonna go with hall every day of the week but like if you look at cup contenders over the last couple of years like they're not using 6d and last year they lost muzzin and they had like that d in that game five was brutal they but who are you getting what like, do you mean like if you get matt benning i don't think he's changing much from say a sandine or a Lilligren. like i don't think he's that much better than them Lilligren, we've hardly seen in the NHL, let alone playoff games that are competitive. Like I love Lilligren too. I love Lilligren too. But like the, the issue is his cap with... space. So they can like you can't go out and get a defenseman now and then get Taylor Hall. Like you won't have the space. If you're gonna get Hall, you're gonna be strapped. So you know you kind of have to get the forward first because it is the need. Like the forward's gonna play. It's gonna play big minutes. The defenseman, I, but I it's think not like we're we're talking hypothetically. It's not going to be an either or thing. Like they can make multiple deals in the next couple of weeks. It's tough. like it's not. They don't have. Well, we're literally gonna, talking five minutes ago about how you can make multiple deals. Like they can hundred percent make more than if one you, deal. If you get Taylor Hall, it's going to be very tough. It depends who you get. If you get a Grandland and you're giving up Kerfoot, all of a sudden you have some. Yes, you have. Well, some you have to. Yeah. But if you're getting Taylor Hall, and you and you know that's stretching it pretty close so i i I think yes yes in an ideal world like the ideal world is you go out and get a forward first and then you see how much cap space you have at the deadline you might be an ltir you might have you know injuries and then you get maybe like if you if you want matt benning who's you know my go-to example here makes one million you can see if you can afford him at the deadline but right now i think their top six is going to be their top six in terms of defensemen, I think they like like Marinson more than more than the fans do. I think they like Sandine and Lilligren if they have to. I do think they have to get them into some games. Uh, Sandine went healthy, but you can't. What you can't do is go out and get I don't know a Benning or a, 
I I have to look at, at who's even out there at this point and then say we have no money left for the forward because I don't think the defenseman is going to be in the top six. Yes, you want depth. Yes, there's going to be injuries, but I, I do think they like their depth, and I think that's why they traded Lettinen. Yeah, I don't think we... Like, we're not... I don't think they're going to only make one deal. Like, and if it is... Like, they don't have to only make one deal. That's that's my point here. And I do want a forward for that, like, third line or, or the, the top six, but I am not as comfortable as you are um, having the current depth that they have. And, and teams, like, need, like, seven, eight defensemen. Like, you can literally look at the past cup winners, how many defensemen they've used. The Leafs yeah, I, won. They had a five-game series last year, and Muzzin went down, and they were in trouble. Like, I don't I think they whole, want to be in that situation. I wrote a whole article about how many do you need in the playoffs. I, I understand. So you the should problem know. Is, the, the problem is is that you need a forward more than you need a defenseman right now. 100% you do. I think you agree there. It's just you have to know how much cap space you have for the defenseman before you make the move. Now, if they do have some cap space and it's deadline day and there's a guy you can get for a, a third-round pick, then, yeah, sure, I'm in to, to get a depth defenseman. Add even more depth. Why not? Um, but I do think that, you know, they don't make that Lettinen trade unless they like their depth at least a little bit. I, I do think we might see a trade for a depth defenseman. I just, I don't think it's going to be at home. I think, I, I think a team's going to outbid them because uh, I just don't think that's really the biggest need. Um, I'll take at home at the right price for sure. But I think, uh, I think forward's going to be the, the first thing. And then you see how much cap space you have and then, if, if you can do it, then you go out and get a defenseman. If you run out of cap space, you just, you don't really have a choice, right? If you go out and get yeah, a home, I, Well, I, I mean, I'm sure they're they're planning, like, they know how much cap space they have. Like, it's not going to be, like, a surprise. Like, they make the deal and they're like, oh, okay, let's see how much cap space. Like, they know. They're no, going to know before for, they make the deal. If they can get a Hall and Forsberg and that's going to be all their cap space, I think they're going to do it. Like, if they get a deal they like for one of those players, I think they do it and then they say, oh, 100%. Okay, we won't yeah, 100%. take the deal. They won't take the depth defenseman then. Like I think, if it's a Grandlin, then yeah, like they'll, they'll go out and get someone. Um, yeah. If it's a needle mover, I think with the Ekholm thing, it's like you. We we heard about those kind of things about Nashville that there were going to be sellers at the deadline, and then right away you kind of look at, okay, who who do I want on this team? And I think that's where Ekholm kind of came, like the Ekholm to Toronto thing came. Um, I think it, I don't know where it came from, but it, the the whole that they would accept a Muzzin-like deal. I don't know if that was yeah. straight from... Was that straight from um, their GM or... No, I think it was from uh, like an insider like LeBron or, or Freeman. So I was trying to think of a a um, like a comparable for the Leafs um, to that deal. So it was Sean Dursey, Grunstrom, and the first. So I thought that Grunstrom's like closest comparable, I guess, would be like a Hollander. And... Then Dursey, I saw in my timeline that some people thought maybe Hollowell or a player like that. I think Dursey's probably better than that. Like, I think it's closer to Nimala, even though I think Nimala's probably the better prospect. Would you take, like, a Nimala, Hollander, and first for an Ekholm? Yeah, I'd seriously consider that. And I'd I think pay I'd extra if they too. retained, but I think they're going to get more because it's a bidding war, right? Like, right. I, I think if I, people know, every, every team probably agrees that the least did pretty well in the Muzzin trade. I think Ekholm is one of those players that's so valued around the league that, you know, some team's going to pay quite a lot for that. I think they have a choice at, at what prospect they want. Like, 
every they're going to have no problem getting a first round pick for Ekholm. They're going to have no problem getting a first and a second for Ekholm. I think they're going to have their choice on where they deal him and, and what prospect they like the most. Like if Nashville comes and says like we really like Philip Hallander, would you do a first and a Hallander for Ekholm? I say yeah, and then I figure out the rest later. But I I just don't think it's likely. There's so many teams that are going to be in on him. Um, I do think if like I do think their biggest need is forward. Like I do think Forsberg makes more sense than Ekholm just from a need perspective. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, especially like if you're subtracting Kerfoot to get Ekholm because we do have to consider the cap as well. Um, so I I I don't see the fit too. I don't think it's a great fit. I think he's a good enough player where you have to at least inquire and make a call. But um, I think that's a little bit of a long shot at this point. Yeah, I think that's definitely a luxury. Um, I would take that deal too. Um, but yeah, when it comes to a player like that, like like Ekholm's obviously really good. I think that's a bit of a luxury. It's something that if they get it, then yeah, great. But um, obviously that's pretty low on the list for me. Yeah, I think it's like when Pierre-Luc Dubois was available. It's like, yeah, you make the call, you see what it costs, but it's a bit of a long shot. Um, it probably doesn't make, make much sense. But let's get into some of the questions here. So... Uh, first one, first one, I'm just going to read in kind of order here. What is Jack Campbell's ceiling and has he taken any strides within the organization that would lead you to believe that he could be a starter in the league? Um, yeah, I can take this one. So, uh, in terms of his ceiling, like, I think, I mean, Campbell's what, 26 years old now? Um, so a bit older. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what you see is what you get in terms of, he's 29 actually. Yeah. So I think what you see is what you get in terms of, you know, like I don't think he's all of a sudden, I don't think he has like an upward projection right now. Um, but when it comes to Coley's, like it's so difficult to know and especially with his track record, like he has never really been a, um, you know, a bona fide starter. So it's not like he's played like, you know, 40, 50 games in one season. So um, I do think he's taken strides like within the organization. I think they were pretty high on him when they first traded for him. Um, you know, I traded a pretty good uh, player in Trevor Moore and there's a few draft picks for him and the rental of uh, Kyle Clifford. So I think it was pretty kind of high up. I do think that he has an opportunity next year to be the starter. Um, and that's whether Anderson's there or not. Um, obviously, if Anderson's back, it's going to be a lot more difficult. But, you know, I think what you see is what you get from him right now. I think he's played pretty good in, in the three games that he's played this year. So hopefully he's healthy sooner or later. I think his ceiling's a starter. Um so far in the league, he's got played 67 games with a 918 save percentage. Now, you know, maybe that is his ceiling, which would be, a, you know, basically what Freddie was. Because um, we know Freddie had a 918 for like three straight years. Um, so, yeah, maybe. I, I, I think he's got the potential to do it. I, I'm just skeptical because, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't done the workload. Um, you know, a lot of that was driven in one year with the Kings where he played 31 games to a, a 928 save percentage. So I am a little bit, you know, I, I think he's probably a really good backup. That's kind of how I view him now. Certainly, he's gonna he's gonna get a chance to play uh, a considerable a considerable amount of games. Uh, even if Freddie plays well, I think they want to get Freddie some rest. So I do expect him to play quite a lot when healthy, and we'll and we'll see. Like I do think the upside is a starter, um, but I, I I'm not comfortable if he's you're one next year and you have like a, a clear, clear backup behind him to put it that way. So I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket, but I, I do think he's got one upside. I just think, you know, maybe it's, it's less than 50% of, of happening. Uh, the next question here, Nick, 
It's a good one. Who on the current Leafs roster let the dogs out? <laughs> I already answered that one. It, it had to be, it had to be Nylander. I'm going Jack Campbell. I'm going Jack Campbell. <laughs> um, should the Leafs acquire Ekholm just so Winnipeg can? Um, I guess I guess no. I mean, if it's going to help their team and it's a good trade, then you take it. Um, but I don't think Winnipeg is a big enough threat to the Leafs. Uh, to be making, I don't think anyone's a big big enough threat to be making deals like that just for the sake of it, so they don't get it. Yeah, I just don't. I think Winnipeg's good enough, especially if they get, it, if they get him, because their the biggest weakness is defense. But you know, if they don't get Ekholm, they could use those assets to get someone like a Forsberg or a Savard and someone else. Like you can't really, you can't really block them per se. I think you kind of have to take care of your own team and, and do what's best for your interest. You know, like, I don't think you, you get Ekholm instead of Forsberg just so Winnipeg can. I, I think you have to kind of do your own thing, worry about yourself. You can't, it's not just Winnipeg you have to get by. You have to get by, if you're going to win the Cup, you got to get by another Canadian team as well. Plus, you'd have to get by, uh, you know, two American teams. So it's going to be, I, I don't think you can focus just on them. And I think you kind of have to make the best move. Um, now, with that said, though, I'll quickly say it, it does suck when you know you're going to play someone, aka Boston, and they make a deal at the deadline, like a really good deal that, like Andre Cache, when he went to the team last year, it's mm-hmm. it's brutal to see your, like your potential playoff matchups make deals at the deadline. So I do definitely see the concern there. Well, it's going to suck to be a Jets or Habs fan because the Leafs are going to get somewhere, I think, so yeah i hope so that's what i have to say about that okay the next one is a bit i'll just kind of go through it quickly assuming the leafs have a cia notebook on every potential player on earth how huge of an advantage can they exploit due to draft hiccups this season the fact that league started uh, a little bit later or not at all so i'm just going to say it's a pretty big advantage um you know i watch guys ahead of the draft i haven't watched much this year uh compared to most years because there's been no ohl i think the whl just started um, the queue's been limited. So, yeah, it, and there's been no, like, there's no Holinka, there was no under-18 tournament. So, yeah, you have a huge advantage if, if you have a really good read on players and, and other teams don't. So, yeah, I don't know if, if that's, you know, I do think that this year second-round picks, third-round picks, fourth-round picks are going to be more valuable um, just because if you are a, a very, you know, smart organization and, and you, you have, you know, tons of knowledge on these on these players more than other teams uh, because guys are going to fall. We're, we're probably not, you know, there's less viewings of guys. So we're going to see a, probably more guys fall, more Nick Robertson's. Um, and then, and the Leafs have been taking advantage of teams since Dubas took over at the drafts from round two to seven for, you know, their last three drafts. So yeah, you are kind of, gu- you're kind of guessing a little bit more, like you're getting less viewings. We'll see how much of the OHL we get ahead of the draft. That'll be big, but like, it is tougher if you haven't seen a guy play in a year and a half to, to for the Leafs or any team. It's going to be tougher, but I I do think we'll see more uh, more steals. Next one, Nick. How much or who would you give up to get Forsberg and Ekholm? So I think with Ekholm we kind of touched on the Muzzin trade plus a little bit extra. I would say um, for Forsberg, I think it's I think I went over this too. So you have to put Kerfoot yeah, in. Yeah, we looked over last week. You have to put yeah. Kerfoot in it. You have to have a first in it. You might even... Like, I would give up Lilligren in that trade, I think. I'd rather give up the picks. Um, you know, a guy like Nimala. 
I, I would prefer I wouldn't give up Robertson for two years of him to be honest um I'd rather I don't think Amirov has a ton of value like I don't I think he's probably underrated than overrated so yeah I, I'm not I, I'd rather kind of go the rental route if if the cost is too high so I'll say like Kerfoot of first Nimala and I don't know um like I'd, I'd even include a Mikhaev or something if if that really moved the dial um yeah I think that's going to be a tough trade to make though yeah, the Forsberg 100%. That's the toughest trade that they have. Um, Maybe that's been first rumored, in Lilligren? Yeah, I think here, like, the real question behind this would be how good of a prospect are you going to give up? So, like, for example, for you, would you give up... So let's say Robertson Sandin, I'm guessing, is not on the table, right? Yeah, and I want to add, too, they got to retain 50. Okay, so Sandin and Robertson, are they on the table or no? No. Okay, that's same as me, and then um, Lilligren would be in it, and then for me, Amirov, I would say no. Yeah, I, I at least think about it, um, but I I just think that it's not just going to be Amirov, it's going to be like Amirov and a first, and at that point... Oh, I'm for like, sure. This is within the package, though. So let's yeah, say it's perfect, so at, at that first, point, I'd rather just go for someone else. Yeah, okay, so we're on the same page there. Uh, okay, so I think we've... And we talked about that one last week as well. Um, right. If we trade away a top-tier prospect, who do you think it will be? I'm going to say Lilligren. Is, is that the same for you? Yeah, that's he's the for, to me, he's the fourth-best prospect we have right now. Um, with Sandin Robertson and Amirov being the top three, that's the top tier that I'd go... Unless, unless you're getting, like... You know, like, I'm not trading Robertson away for... Unless it's, like, a bona fide star in the league. Like, it's going to have to be a real, real good player. Yeah, I want control is really the big thing. If it's if For it's sure. many years, then I'm, I'm definitely considering it. If it's if it's just a rental, it's just not worth it. That's what happened with Forsberg in the first place. He got traded for Martin Erat, so you got to be pretty careful with with who you trade away for guys with limited term. Um, what do you figure is the player that Dubis would trade for Sandine? Right, again, yeah. Maybe if it's Forsberg, like, straight up, one-for-one one with retention, maybe. Um, I, I still think it'd have to be someone with more control, and I just don't know who is out there for that. Like, there's not there's not really anyone available that we have here in the rumors right now that's like, you know, they're available for three or four years, and, you know, they're a high-end player. So I, I just can't maybe Forsberg, but that's the best guy I can think of, but I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, one for one, actually, 50%, I'd probably take that um, for Forsberg, just knowing that you're getting two playoff runs out of him. Um, yeah. If it was one for one, I'd probably take that. But, um, I mean, that's just not realistic. It's going to be probably in a package or something like that. So, yeah, the player's going to have to be really good with at least two or three, at least three years. Okay, this Control. one this one is, do we re-sign Anderson next year? Now, Anderson's misspelled for Joey Anderson, but I'm going to assume... Maybe it is Joey Anderson. Maybe he's re-signed, though. <laughs> no, it's actually resigned, too. So do we resign <laughs> Joey Anderson? Um, do we re- let's, let's change the question and say, do we re-sign Freddie Anderson next year? My answer to this is just going to be, let's see how he does the rest of the way. I think that's really going to decide it. Um, at least now, the cost will be down because his numbers are down a little bit. So if he does do well the rest of the way and you want him, he might be a bit cheaper. But really, like, if he has a bad playoffs, he's, he's not coming back. I think that's kind of clear. Um, and if he, if he keeps struggling the rest of the year and, and 
the price. I just don't think he's coming back at that point. So I'm going to say no, just because it kind of has to be the perfect price. He can't be too good where you can't afford him, and he can't be too bad or they're just going to look elsewhere. So let's say our our let, let's try and build a breaking point here um, in terms of term and, and his AAV. Like if he asks you for what's he at right now? Is that five mil? I think so. Yeah. So if he says I want, let's keep it at five mil as well for the next four years would you take that no okay so then you're looking at something is it the term well, or is it the how's he the playing the rest going? of the year is going to be the, the same let's just say it's the same thing they get to the second round they get knocked out by like winnipeg yeah but how's he the rest of the way the same as he's been playing uh then no way okay like he'd have to be i i he's 31 Right, so that term is going to scare me. I I think it's unlikely. Like again, if he's if, if he's good down the stretch, and you want like I, I'm thinking shorter term. Like if he's going to get a big like Markstrom contract, I think he's gone. Um, I'm for sure, regardless of how he plays. But he has to be like in order for it to happen, he has to be pretty good down the stretch, and he's got to be you know five million or less. You know, maybe four years. If he plays really well, maybe you go five times four, but I just think it's unlikely. Yeah, if I had to answer that question with with one answer or one word, it would be no. I don't think they're going to re-sign him. Um, I just think that he's going to get some money somewhere else and someone's going to value him more than the Leafs do. And I think it's in the Leafs' best interest to just ride a a Campbell and try and find a goalie for cheaper than $5 and kind of do a 1A, 1B for the next couple seasons. Yeah, that's where I think they're going. And I think Anderson's going to be in Edmonton. I don't know why, just I see it. He does seem like an Edmonton type of, uh, well, him and Tyson Berry can be uh, reunited, so that's what. If good. they re-sign Berry, which they might. There was yeah. a rumor today that they're looking to 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 re-sign him well. for like five years. So, so this one's a, the next one's a, a two-parter. So A, what is your ideal trade target? And B, who would you rather keep, Amirov or Robertson? Let's answer B first. For me, I'd rather keep Robertson. Um, at this point, I think he's just a better prospect. I think it's I think it's closer than some people think. But Robertson's already been in NHL games. He's already you know playing quite well with the Marlies. I, I we're, we agree there, right? Sorry, I'm trying to find this question right here. Um... So just the first part: if, if who would you rather keep, Amirov or Robertson? Robertson. Um, I think that that first year after the draft was crazy. How much he went up. Obviously, with that OHL scoring, like you said, he's played in the NHL. He's looked good. Um, yeah, Robertson, but a pretty decent gap. What's your ideal trade target? And I know we went over this last episode. Taylor Hall actually just took a slap shot to the face, so I don't know if that's going to change your answer. <laughs> Hopefully, he's okay. He, he's actually but, back to the ice since. Really? He, yeah, that I saw looked a tweet. so bad. I think it was Friedman that tweeted it um, that he's back to the ice now. So that was like all. This all happened during the podcast. So. Okay. So hopefully we'll get a trade or something. But yeah, um, my ideal trade target is Granlin. I think that you can keep your your top prospects, um, the top four prospects, including Lilligren, um, on the team, which to me is like pretty important. Um, I know that people are talking about this year you want to be all in, but I, I don't think that means you need to trade like Amirov or, or Sandine in order to do it. I think there's other ways to do it. Um, so Granlin, for me, I think he plays center. I think he's... I just really like his skill set, like his creativity. I think he can add to that top six. Or if they want to play him on the third line, I think he can be really good there too. So the issue... Okay, this actually opens up a whole topic. So Alex Kerfoot... The the question here is, does Kerfoot have to leave 
let's say Kerfit has to go the other way to get Granlund. Is he still your number one? That Kerfit has to leave? Yeah, to make it work in the cap. Let's just Ooh, say. Yeah. Um... Like, to me, it's not a huge upgrade then, and I'm kind yeah. of hesitant. And I think that it's tough to make Granlund work under the cap. I'm not... Like, they have to get creative. I don't know how they do it. They might have to do the minimum roster. That's the biggest reason he's not my number one. I think he's, you know, he's good. I just don't know if he's that much better than a Kerfoot if you have to get rid of Kerfoot. So for me, it's it's still Hall. Um, I think he hunts pucks pretty well. And I just think, you know, he's he is a good player. Like, I, I, I'm very confident about that. I'd love to see him play for a good team for the first time in his career. Uh, he has never done it. I, I want to see it. Um, hopefully his smile is okay. That's my biggest concern with him. Um, because he did. Take he's gonna that. be smiling a lot if he's playing with Tavares and Nylander. You will be, and <laughs> I just think it sets you up nice. Like if you have a line of Hyman, Matthews, Marner, and then you come back with Hall, Tavares, Nylander, like it's so tough to get match up against. And I know watching that Columbus series last year, I just I was frustrated with the forwards. I was frustrated with the lack of scoring. Like, obviously, when Matthews is out there, it's going to be dangerous. But I want to see kind of that that second line dominate the way we we saw in, in Tavares's you know, Leafs rookie year, if you will. Um, yeah, I will say this. Like, I do think that Dubas's strategy this year should literally be find the best player available, see what his price is, and then work your way down. Like, I do think you want to try and get the best player possible. Um, so I do actually agree now that, I, you know, now that you put that Kerfoot thing in my head, I do agree that Hall's probably a little bit higher and, and Forsberg, depending on what the price is. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to get the best player possible right now. You want to really move the dial. I know we talked about this last week on our podcast, but um, I guess when I when I think about realistic versus, you know, kind of tying into what the ideal pick is, I guess that's where Granlin comes in. Um, but in terms of a dream one, I, you know, definitely Hall and, and Forsberg are your top ones if, if they don't cost too much. Yeah, I think uh, Forsberg... I, I guarantee you Dubas has made a call about Forsberg and has an idea of what the price is. And if it's if it's crazy, then, you know, I, I'm going to go haul. I'd put Hurdle in that group as well where, you know, I think you make a call and, and just see. So I guess those are the, the main ones. And then Hall on the rental front, I think, is the best rental. I'm also interested in Palmieri. You know, he's, he's a little bit more power play heavy in terms of his production, but he's a really good shooter. And I just think you put him with good uh, good playmakers and and you know, things go well. So, um, yeah, I, like the, I, I want the best rental available pretty much. And then, you know, I guess you make calls for, for the Forsberg, for the hurdles. Um, after that, I even make a call for Sam Reinhardt. I don't know if he's going to get moved. He's going to be an RFA. Um, so that's a bit trickier and you might have to give up more. And I know with the expansion draft, it might not make more sense, but those are my, those are, I guess, are my, are my clear ones. The next one, Nick, is how would you rank the top three prospects on the team? And then the next one's who would you be willing to part with? So I think we we answered the second part, but who do you, who right. would you rank as the top three? Uh, so Robertson's one, and then Sandine, and then Amirov. And I think I think there's a, nah, I mean, I'd say just say Lilligren four. I don't think there's that big of a gap that we need to kind of talk about it. But I, I would say Sandine and Robertson are your 1A, 1B. Robertson being 1A by a, by a smidge, and then Amirov after that. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree with you too. Robertson, Sandy, Amirov. So we're, on, we're aligned there. 
Um, the next one was regarding Chris Drieger. Do you see him as a fit in the offseason? This one is all you. I, I okay. do not watch a lot of Florida Florida Panthers goaltending. This one's all you. <laughs> so I think, yeah, he's a fit. Um, for the first, I guess the first reason is, is that they definitely need a goalie. And as we mentioned earlier, I don't think Freddie's likely to come back uh, for various reasons. Um, again, if he's too good, he's probably too expensive. If he's not good the rest of the way, he's not coming back because of performance. So I think with him, like he's got a 927 save percentage in 27 games, which is a very limited NHL sample. He's only 26 right now. He'll be 27 when he's a free agent. Uh, he'll be, he should be cheaper. And they're going to need a cheaper option just because, you know, they're trying to save as much money as they can um, for other positions. So I do think he's a fit because they need a goalie. Florida has Bobrovsky and, and Spencer Knight, who's a really good goalie prospect. Um, so, yeah, I, I absolutely think he's a fit. I don't know, you know, I don't know if he's going to be my number one target, but he'll be on the list. I'll, I'll keep an eye on him. Um, the goalies are kind of tough to evaluate, as, as we know. So... Whether it's yeah. him, whether it's trade for Kemper and you get retention on him um, kind of as a one-year rental, whether it's a Ranta or an Ulmark, I think those are kind of going to be the guys they target and, and kind of do the 1A, 1B with Campbell and, and hope they get uh, good goaltending. And then, you know, same as this year. If, if it's really going bad at the deadline, I think they'll make a move next deadline. Like, you need a goalie. But uh, at this point, I think they will go a cheaper option and kind of figure the rest out later. Sounds good to me. All right. Like I'm I said... Gonna- <laughs> yeah, like I said, <laughs> no clue about him. <laughs> goaltending is not my forte, and then Florida Panthers goaltending, definitely not my forte. Uh, thoughts on Mantha or Bertuzzi as options? So I'm going to start with Mantha. I think he's too expensive cap-wise. Um, he makes 5.7. I believe he's got four years left. The, the, the Red Wings aren't going to retain for four years. They really have no reason to trade him. I know Freeman said pretty much everyone's available there, but... You know, Iserman has to get a complete haul to get him, and I'd be pretty scared of giving Iserman a complete haul based on his track record. So I just don't think they have they can make it work cap wise. You think he makes too much at five point seven? Is this that your sense of of Mantha? Yeah, I just don't. I don't see it happening either. I love the player though. Um, I think he's really good at five on five. Um, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for him. I think he's just a good player. Um, but yeah, I just don't really see them moving. Um, him to the Leafs I just don't see how the Leafs would fit it in yeah uh, Bertuzzi I like I tweeted about him last night so for me he's kind of like a Hyman light like he's he's surprisingly skilled he's really physical he's a guy that gets to the net and he has he has good offensive impacts um he's a good player he is hurt so that's kind of my biggest concern with him is you know I don't know when he's back or, or, or how his health status is I believe he's an RFA after this season and his agent is actually uh, the agency where, where Dubas used to work at. So I, I know oh. Dubas, Dubas has a relationship with the agent. Um, but, you know, Pertuzzi's pretty good. He had 48 points in 71 games last year. And he had 47 the year before. I know with him, he's a guy with a high shooting percentage, but he does get chances right around the net. He's a really good four checker. I like him. I think he had some grit. Um, I just think... You know, A, the injury, and B, what's the cost? But I do think he's a guy that could kind of be a Coleman type where, you know, you give up a late first for him and, and you get a pretty good player at a pretty good price. So, you know, they they are going to 
at least have to have a backup plan for Hyman. And if he walks, I wonder if they make that trade this offseason, if they don't make it now. But I do think there'd be a lot of teams interested. That's the only uh, the catch there. Yeah, I'm glad you said that he's an like really good offensively. I think defensively there is some concern there. Um, but So that's why I would... I think in playing style, him and Hyman are the same, but I think just Hyman's a lot better defensively. Um, but with Bertuzzi, I think he's a good player too. I'm always a fan of, of players that play with grit that are also good hockey players. Um, so I am a fan of him. The only thing, uh, the only concern I'd have with him is defensively. Yeah, Hyman's impacts actually over the years have been kind of iffy defensively, which is weird given his reputation. But um, I do think... I, I do think they're similar. Um, just they're kind of like all-out players. I, I don't think he's as good. Like, I love Hyman. I think it's actually pretty close. I think, you know, Pertuzzi probably is an edge defensively. Or, sorry, offensively. There are defensive questions. I just think, A, he's a winger, and B, it's really tough to tell on, on Detroit. You know, some of those numbers are kind of iffy because it's such That's a bad thing, team. Yeah. So yeah. he is kind of one I'm interested in. I'm not, you know screaming from the rooftops to, to trade for him but I, I do think he's a, a target I'd, I'd at least make a call and, and see what the price is um, because a he's not a rental and b uh, I, I do think he's a pretty good player that could help you and, and slot into your top six so I, I like that one kind of as an underrated one yeah I like that question too would you give up Riley and Kerfoot plus picks prospects to acquire Ekholm and Forsberg and now my answer is yes what are the picks and prospects is going to be my question, but yeah, yeah, I, I would take um, okay, Forsberg so over Riley. Oh, for sure. I'm and I would take Ekholm so, over Kerfoot. So yeah, I'd so give let's up say something. the pick. Let's try and find because my answer is yes too. Um, but yeah, let's let's try and find picks and prospects. So if it was, let's say, this isn't happening though because it's not no. Yeah. But if it was like let's say Lilligren and let's say a first, like is that a no? I think so because uh, yeah okay. yeah because you get a lot for Riley and then it's only exactly. two years back home Forsberg so I give up a first I give up Lilligren I don't know if I give up both yeah so for me it would be like the prospect would have to be a guy like because I mean Riley has a lot of value I would assume around the league um, and if they were looking to move him like if you didn't during the off season I think that you could get a huge package for Riley so I would have that in mind. So I wouldn't be giving up a big prospect here. Um, even like a Nemo, I'd probably think about it. Um, but like more like an Abrazisi, like your Hervinen, kind of that. I give up a first for of, sure. I give up a little. The first on um, the twenty twenty one first, like to me is, you know, Dubis has proven that he's able to get top sixty draft guys in like the second, third, fourth round. So if they give up that first, especially the twenty twenty one first, which it's not a very good draft, like I'm okay with that. Um, but it's, for me, it's more the prospect. Like, what level of prospect are we giving up here? Um, I think I would be more comfortable if it's like an Abrazisi, Hervinen, um, Semyon Durgenchensev, one of those types of prospects. Yeah, and they have uh, they have Yossi, so that's not happening. I just don't think that's a fit with Riley. Um, that was kind of an interesting one. Um, the next one, where was it? Can't find the next question. I think we, we have might. the Marlies one. We have could could a healthy Marlies lineup that features SDA, Hollander, Malgin, etc., and any ta- taxi squad reserves beat the current Buffalo Sabers. And this is from Robert F, who's a who's a friend of the show. So I'll let you take this one first. Um, like, 
I guess what the, I gotta figure out what the question is. Like, if it's if could they beat them? Yes, in a game, sure. I just don't. They wouldn't be the favorite. Like, I think if they play ten times, Buffalo wins eight. Like, they got they got Taylor Hall. Like, they have what the best five players on the team. Hall, like on either team. <laughs> it's Hall, funny that it's only the top five. <laughs> Hall, Reinhardt. They got Olafson. They got Rasmus Dahlin. Colin Miller's decent. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like they're they they'd crush the Marlies, but you know I think the Marlies could could pull one off if, if they played enough for sure because you know we see it at the Olympics with like Canada playing you know the odd upset with Canada against the Czechs or, or Canada against like Switzerland or you know there are those upsets at the World Juniors or, or at the Olympics. Okay, I'm gonna throw another curveball here for this question. Mm-hmm. What if there was no taxi squad, so all the taxi squad players go to the <laughs> to the Marlies? <laughs> So that gets me what? That doesn't get me much. I guess it gets me, yeah, nothing. Like Barrett, no. Who's on the taxi squad right now? That's the Hutchison. No, it's been so up and down right now. No, not even Hutchison. <laughs> we got to get to know. Okay, I'm looking at it now. Nick Robertson, which I, you know, I thought he was on the Marlins anyways. Agostino, Marinson, Rosen. So no, it doesn't change anything. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think they could, they could make it somewhat close. Like maybe they win two out of ten instead of one out of ten. But yeah, the. The, the Sabres would be much better. We got to make that happen one day. Somehow. <laughs> we'll, we'll make some calls and, and we'll see what we can do. I don't know if it'll be the next week, but maybe in like a month or so because the boy Buffalo season's going. Uh, you know, it seems it seems likely. Do you have a segment you want to do? I know you said before you had the Would You Rathers, or do you want me to start All trivia? Right. Um. This will be a quick one. So I know a lot of people are talking about the timeline right now. And it kind of feels like, you know, it's March 16th. And around the fan base and around the media, it kind of feels like this is Dubis's window right now to make a deal. And I don't actually have the trade deadline, the actual date in front of me. What date is it? Do you know? I think it's April this year, April 12th. April 12th. So it's still weeks away. So... This is completely a, you know, I'm making up this deal, but let's say they were getting a player like, let's say Hall, um, and the asking price was, this might even be way off, but let's just say it's like a first, a prospect like, and let's say Buffalo says, look, it's either Lilligren, a first and whatever, Kerfoot for Hall or nothing and they ask that right now to do this do you say yes or no no and I okay I I want to mention like because he has the full no move he his agent kind of has all the control here right like I don't know how many teams he's gonna give him that's kind of the uh I don't think it's gonna take that much if it was I would just go elsewhere um because I do think there's you know Palmieri there's Granlin there's so many options Okay, so I think Hall's a bad example here, but pretty much my, my point is, is that would you would you wait, let's say two three weeks for when it's closer to the deadline? Because as soon as it gets closer to the deadline, I think these sellers are going to become a lot more desperate, um, and I think that's a reason why Dubis hasn't made a deal yet. He said today that it takes two to tango, and to me, I read into that as if he is ready to trade right now. This is the best window for the Leafs. It gives them the most time for that new player to quarantine, and then they get a decent sample in the the regular season to build chemistry and find a good fit in terms of 
um, line combinations before the playoffs. But sellers don't care about that. And sellers want the best price. So unless the Leafs really blow them away, this, this is what I'm kind of reading into it. Unless the Leafs really blow them away and they're comfortable making a deal weeks before the deadline, they're not going to make a deal. They're just going to take their time and wait. So pretty much my would you rather is would you how how important is getting a bigger sample for that new player versus the return that you're giving the other team or what you're giving to the other team so if the prospect goes from let's say today a team asks for the prospect is amirov and if you wait right before the deadline and you get to flip a guy like let's say hervenin would you wait knowing that and you make a deal right before the deadline knowing that the the new player is only going to get like seven games before the playoffs. Yeah, for that difference, I yeah. would, because I like Amiro. But I, 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 okay, I'm going to throw a question back. I want a one-word answer, okay? One word. Do you think, okay, will the Leafs make a trade in the next seven days? Um, That's your word. That's your word. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go, I'll say no. Okay, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna go seven days. I'll say I want, yes. I won. Yes. It's gonna be close. After after as soon as he he held that, he said there was gonna be a press conference today. Uh, I I just kind of lost, not hope, but it kind of felt to me. And and after hearing it today, it, it seems like he's really trying to make a deal right now. But obviously the other teams aren't. And to me, it was like like pretty much what my scenario is. Like I think that's what's happening right now, where teams are that our sellers are saying like we don't need to kind of play your book so we're going to wait see what the best option is for us and if we're going to wait to see if we get a better deal than that um and the Leafs might have to wait a little bit and, and kind of bite the bullet when it comes to to how much that new player plays with this roster i think it's going to be soon i, I hope think so. buffalo needs changes they've lost like a buffalo's lost 11 straight i'll check the score right now it's probably going to be 12 straight if it's buffalo no, if, if they get taylor hall like that would be you know i would be It'd be amazing. Like, I know some people the, want... The tone on Hall will change. People who don't want Hall, as soon as they get him, they'll be like, I love Taylor Hall. <laughs> they'll get, First they'll get the jersey. Pick. They will. That'll be... Uh, they'll just get... They'll change their Justin Hall jerseys and they'll just put the A on. And then, you know, who knows what number he'll wear, but that's what's going to happen. I'm so glad that no one... Um, that we don't write out, um, like transcribe our podcast, because it would be in one word... Are the Leafs going to make a deal? Nick D'Souza, um. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, uh, yeah, not good. But we got your answer. I, 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 He did say today that he was looking, like he would trade a top prospect to improve the team. I do think he's getting aggressive. I do think he wants to act sooner. We know he did that with Muzzin. I think with the 14-day quarantine, I do think they're willing to pay a little bit extra to, to get the guy now. Like maybe like an extra third round pick or you throw in like i don't know like a, a philip crawl as extra i don't think they're gonna give up a mirror off to do it now but I, I do think they'll pay a little bit extra to get that now and i think if you're a team like buffalo you got to avoid the josh donaldson situation where like you know taylor hall got hit with a slap shot to the face tonight and he could have been out like it looked bad he, what if he was out three months now you know, he can't, you don't get anything for him. So I, I think there's some, some risk from that perspective too. And Buffalo wants to lose. Not that they need any more help doing that right now, it seems, but um, if they want to, 
if they want to tank and, and, and maybe get the first pick or a top three pick, guarantee themselves. Because um, they are at that point. They could use and another th- top three pick. All these years, that's all I've ever they said. Could. They just need one more. They could top use one. I do want to actually get your opinion on a few things, like just looking at the the TSN trade bait um, and just thinking about my timeline. There are some other names that have been kind of thrown out there. Um, Ricker Raquel is one. It's th- it's third on the trade bait, and anytime any player goes on this this trade bait list, like right away, they're they're rumored to come to the Leafs. Like I know. I was seeing, I don't know who said it, that Jake DeBrusque would be, like, a great fit for the Leafs. Like, like yeah, he would. Like, I would love Jake DeBrusque on the team. I just don't see a trade happening between the, the Bruins and yeah. the Leafs, a team, and Boston's competing. Like, I, I just don't see that happening at all. But, but yeah, I, I think anytime any of these guys get on this list, you know, it's it's right away they'd be a great fit for the Leafs. But Rick and Raquel is interesting to me. Like, obviously, he's one year... Um, including this year. So you get two playoff series with him. He's at 3.79, um, having a pretty good season. Like, do, do you see a fit there? It doesn't seem like it, based on what Freeman said. Like, I think Anaheim wants a lot, and I don't think I'm willing to pay that. Um, they have If they retain, like, maybe. I'm certainly, like, he's good enough that you at least explore the idea, but I'm not sure. Uh, he is a bit iffy defensively. I do think he's pretty good offensively. I have watched a decent amount of Anaheim this year. Um, I just think... You know, I, it sounds like the price is going to be too high for Toronto. Uh, Freeman speculated that it, you know, it's probably not going to be a fit there. So I'll, I'll say I don't see it happening. Um, at least I think it's less likely than, you know, Palmieri or even Granlund. Yeah, I know we gave our list. We're aligned there because I, I know we gave our list last week, um, in terms of, you know, our, our five trade targets, and I would put Raquel like, you know, at the bottom of that list in terms of how likely it is. Yeah, I don't think it's too likely, but it's at least in the realm of possibility. Like, there's a chance he's traded, and and you know he's a decent enough player that he would be an upgrade to the top six. Yeah, so, he definitely traded. Uh, I think it's at least on the radar. Yeah. Are you ready for some trivia here? If if the answer, who's the last guy that you asked me? Emily. Oh, was Emily. Was, I lost sleep over that. <laughs> okay, this is a pretty good one. So, Sheldon Keith is a first-time head coach, not by year, but he's only coached. One team. That's the one NHL team. That's it. Toronto Maple Leafs. With me? Yep. How many of the thirty-one NHL coaches are first-time NHL coaches? So it could be multiple years. It could be ten years for all I care. Oh boy. But they've only coached one NHL team, the one they're currently with. How many of the thirty-one? Um. Okay. So I don't think Buffalo's has. I can't remember his name. Um. Buffalo definitely Boston's. Um, there's no way I'm going to do this on one hand here. Uh, let's go six. You think six? The answer is actually a little higher. It's 11. So, oh, it's actually pretty good. I have the names here. Brenda Moore is his, is his first. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeremy Colton in, uh, in Chicago. He's pretty young. Bednar. I think that's Colorado. Uh, Blashill, who took over for Babcock. Uh, right. Oh, that was an easy one. I should have got that one. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens coach, uh, Ducharme. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, Everson, is that... I think that's Minnesota. Um, Quinn and, and the Rangers. Uh, John Cooper is only coach Tampa. Keith is one. Travis Green in Vancouver. And DJ Smith. Hmm. Yeah, DJ Smith, another one I should have been able to uh, right away gone on. And I don't, I don't know if I have this one right because... I might be missing one name, 
But I have how many NHL coaches have not played in the NHL? Oh, God. Uh, this is going to be another shot in the dark here. Um, let's go with... Let's go around the same. I'll say like 12, 11, like 11, 12. Five. That's what I have. I don't know if I have this answer right. But I have Maurice, Cooper, John Hines, Trotz, and, and Blashill. I'm going to have a trivia question back at you that actually is on the same line. Because I was looking this up two weeks ago. Um, whenever um, the Montreal coach got, got fired. I can't even think of his name. But And I was thinking to myself... Like, he got fired, the Calgary coach got fired, and I was thinking, like, Sheldon Keefe is maybe by the end of, like, this year, the way the year is going, he's going to be, like, the longest tenured coach in the whole North Division. <laughs> so I was I was looking up to see how, how close he actually is to that. So how many coaches since Sheldon Keefe got hired, which was on November 20th, 2019, I just pulled this up, how many coaches are new after that? It's pretty much newer coaches after Sheldon Keefe. I think it's more than you think. I'm going to say like seven. It's nine. So pretty close. Well, that's close. Okay. It's been Calgary, Montreal, Washington, New Jersey, uh, Minnesota, Vegas, Nashville, San Jose, and Dallas. All right. So I think so. we've got enough coaches trivia for today. We had some good ones there. <laughs> I like the I like the throwback at me. Um, we thought today might be a trade pod, but it was not. But... I got a good feeling about the next one. So we'll see everyone hopefully this week for a trade reaction podcast. See everyone then.